What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you've had an amazing weekend and a great, great week. It was certainly a huge weekend in pro wrestling with big events happening in WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then, of course, last weekend, you had the big NWA event going down. A lot of things have happened. So we'll try to make sure we cover as much as we can, though I can promise you that our primary focus on this particular episode will be the Elimination Chamber, and then we will have a second episode dedicated to Battle in the Valley. First, a big shout to all of you who have joined us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you so much for your continued support of all things connected to the faction. If you're not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe today on all of the places where you can check out our podcast. You can also make sure you're turning those notifications on when we do a social media post as well. And if you're a longtime listener to the faction or you've been supporting us for a while, thank you so much. These things mean the world. My apologies, we did not have any episodes last week. There were a lot of things going on and there's some really cool things that are happening behind the scenes that we'll likely be able to talk about sooner than later. We'll keep you posted on that, but some really cool things are on the way. So I want to start in a couple of places. I realize that in my conversation, we did not cover the NWA's event titled Nuff Said. So I want to talk about that first and then we will get into the Elimination Chamber. In case you missed it, the NWA did have a pay-per-view, not this weekend, but the previous weekend. That would be February the 11th. Name of the pay-per-view was Nuff Said. Let's talk a little bit about these results and then we'll get into kind of the big things coming out of this particular pay-per-view. So the pre-show started off with La Rosa Negra defeating Miss Kate. We also saw Mims and Dak Draper defeat Jax Dane and Blake Troop. Also in the pre-show, Odinson defeated Joe Alonzo, and then Natalia Markova and Mercurio defeated Genocide and Max the Impaler. Getting to the main show, Tom Latimer defeated Fodder in a Singapore cane match. Kerry Morton retained the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship, defeating Alex Taylor. Then we saw Thrillbilly Silas defeat Kratos. We saw the Renegade twins, Robin and Charlotte Renegade, defeat Pretty Empowered, that's Kenzie Page and Ella Envy, to become the new NWA Women's Tag Team Champions. EC3 defeated the returning Kevin Kylie Jr., Kevin Kylie, formerly known as Alex Riley in the WWE. The NWA World Tag Team Champions, La Rebellion, defeated the team known as Blunt Force Trauma. Chris Adonis defeated Trevor Murdoch and the women's title match, the NWA Women's World Champion Camille defeated Angelina Love in a no-DQ match. Scion successfully defended the National Heavyweight Championship against Homicide. And in the main event, Tyrus retains the NWA World Championship against Matt Cardona. So a couple of big items, perhaps the biggest item coming out of this is the Renegade Twins, Charlotte and Robin, winning the NWA Women's Tag Team Championships. I'm very proud of them for a number of reasons. Had an opportunity to work with the Renegade Twins as part of the Nightmare Factory. In fact, the very first time I got to work there involved the Renegade Twins, and they are absolutely special talents. You've had the opportunity to see them on AEW quite a bit, not just on Dark, but on Rampage and even on Dynamite. Them going to the NWA and winning the NWA Tag Team Championships is huge. They were ranked number 73 on the PWI 
WWI 100 this year. That is looking at the 100 best tag teams in the world, male and female, all in this one list. In addition, they have held the tag team championships over at Mission Pro. This is the promotion owned and operated by Thunder Rosa. So lots of great things have happened with the Renegade Twins over these last few years. They are bright young stars, and I'm excited to see what the NWA is now going to do with their women's division. Speaking of the NWA and their women's division, another big announcement came from the NWA as the NWA has announced a women's television championship and the finals of this will take place at their next pay-per-view called nwa 312 that is taking place in chicago illinois and the 312 as you can imagine is the area code for chicago now i'll get into the naming of these pay-per-views in the nwa in a second but this tournament will have qualifying matches we do know that with the nwa television championship the lucky seven rule will be in effect for it, meaning that just like the NWA television championship, if a champion defends the title successfully seven consecutive times, they will be able to trade it in for a match against the NWA women's world champion. Now, we don't know who's involved in this tournament, but I will say on the one hand, I guess we should be happy that the NWA is continuing to focus on their women's division. The problem with that is if you're unfamiliar, their owner, Billy Corgan, has done several interviews as of late stating the reason why there has not been an NWA Empower 2. Empower was the all-women's pay-per-view done by the NWA, which was put together by Mickey James and really had incredible, incredible response to it. But there's not been a sequel because according to Billy Corgan, there are not enough women's wrestlers in the world who wrestle the NWA women's style. So to now see all of a sudden the Renegade Twins as your women's tag team champions and now the creation of a women's television championship has me asking a lot of questions. And I'll tell you, I had a much larger and more passionate tirade on a recent episode of WWT Live, which you can go back and check out from last Last week. Yeah, go on their channel, check that out. You'll hear my full thoughts on that. But I'll just say I don't fully buy this Billy Corgan and I won't get excited until I really see true commitment to a women's division in the NWA. I think it's also interesting to note that this is now the eighth championship in the NWA. Now, we've heard before and we've talked before about the proliferation of championships in varying organizations. We've talked about that in AEW. There was a time when we were talking about that in WWE, but not so much now. In New Japan, they've added a television championship and, of course, recently the IWGP Women's Championship. But something about the addition of another title in the NWA just feels weird. Let's see if we can count them. You've got the NWA World Championship, you've got the National Heavyweight Championship, the TV Championship, the Junior Heavyweight Championship, the Women's Championship, the Women's Tag Team Championship, that's six. This one is seven, and I can't remember what the eighth one is off the top of my head. Yeah, that's a lot of titles. A lot of titles for an organization that I'm not sure has enough talent to justify all of these championships. 
But be that as it may, we'll have to wait, of course, until April the 7th to see who becomes the first ever NWA Women's Television Champion. I want to ask you, are you interested at all in what the NWA is doing with their women's division, with the Renegade Twins now winning the tag titles, with there now being a push for the NWA Women's Television Championship? What are your thoughts on it? Let us know right now on the socials at the faction show while we're doing that i would like to suggest that perhaps the nwa maybe hire somebody in their marketing department because the names of these pay-per-views in 2023 have left a lot to be desired nwa nuff said and then nwa 312 or 312 or whatever we're calling it. I don't know. I hope that doesn't sound too biased. Maybe you have the same questions because those names just don't hit like some of these other names that we've seen in other companies or like even some of the previous names that they've had for pay-per-views in the NWA. Anyway, very interesting stuff. That's what happened with the NWA, not this past weekend, but the weekend prior as we're looking to just really kind of cover a number of things that have happened over the last week. This moves us to the WWE. The road to the Elimination Chamber has been really quite interesting, as a lot of people have been wondering. Okay, so should Sami Zayn get a shot at the world title at WrestleMania, or does it make more sense at the Elimination Chamber? Would he actually win the title at the Elimination Chamber? Well, let me just say this. What Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes have been doing is really remarkable. It has been a very long time since we've seen two fan favorites that people were completely behind and okay with either of them becoming the world champion this close to WrestleMania. And so the encounter and exchange that took place last Monday night on Raw between Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn was priceless. And so think about this. We are seeing the maturation of Cody Rhodes. We're seeing the maturation of Sami Zayn. And it's giving us some absolutely mind-blowing, breathtaking moments. And I got to tell you, it's one of the reasons we love the WWE and what's happening in this sport right now. If you have not seen the promo yet, go back and watch that promo between Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn from last week's episode of Raw. And then pay some attention to the five-minute standing ovation that Sami Zayn received this past Friday night on SmackDown, which served as his homecoming. He literally couldn't utter a word because the fans were cheering so loud. Honest to God, it's the loudest reaction I've seen in an affirmative way in the WWE since the night after WrestleMania 18 when Hulk Hogan, also in Canada, shows up to a hero's welcome, literally having to trade the black and white for the yellow and red after that insane match that he had against The Rock at WrestleMania 18. Remember, Hogan could hardly speak but that was as a result of a comeback, not the result of just incredible hard work and popularity. Now, let's just consider what a difference a year makes. This time last year, Sami Zayn had lost the Intercontinental Championship and was preparing to take on Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania. So on one hand, it can seem like a badge of honor to draw the straw that would have you in the celebrity match at WrestleMania. 
At the same time, most people aren't going to walk away from that match going, yeah, I'm killing it right now in the game. Though I think Sammy did amazing to make that match certainly very entertaining. I am not a fan of jackass or anything like that, but the match I thought was entertaining for sure. To go from that last year to now this year being in a program with the business's top star and being in the main event of a pay-per-view in your hometown and people can't stop cheering. What a year for Sami Zayn. If ever there were a most improved award or a worst to first kind of award, Sami Zayn deserves it because he has put in the work. And so the tension was high leading into Elimination Chamber. My goosebumps literally had goosebumps trying to figure out could Sami Zayn actually become the undisputed WWE Universal Champion? Who would win between Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley at Elimination Chamber? Who'd walk out as the U.S. champion from the chamber? And who would become the number one contender to the Raw Women's title? All of these things happened at Elimination Chamber, and we'll talk about those when we come back. This is a total package, Lex Luger, and you are turned into the faction. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Hey, wow. How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. Lord, a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, there's a you, there will always be an SHW. Hold your I got a lot left in the tank! What's up guys, this is Mark here in the World's Strongest Man, and you're tuned in to the faction.
So it all went down this past Saturday night. Elimination Chamber live and direct from Montreal, Quebec, Canada at the Bell Center. That Montreal crowd was about as hot as you can imagine. It was absolutely sold out, over 17,000 people. And I just have to say here, this is probably the right place to interject this. I'm not sure that we fully understand the levels of history we are living in right now. You really do have to go back to the ever-loved attitude era. I'm sure Brandon Clack's ears just perked up at the mention of those two words. But you have to go back to that time when you would see constant sellouts from Raw to SmackDown to pay-per-views. And I don't know if you've realized it, but that's been happening quite a bit lately in WWE. And when they start talking about numbers, when they start telling us those kinds of things, it's because number one, it's happening. You can look in the crowd and see that it's happening. You can't find any empty seats. There are no random pictures floating out there about empty arenas. There are really special things happening in the WWE. And we are all vested in it. Now, I'm going to say this before I get to the results. I'm actually loving the fact that pre-shows are actually pre-shows in WWE, meaning we're giving analysis, we're giving what-if scenarios, we're getting predictions, we're not getting matches. Personally, I think your pay-per-view should be a space where if someone's going to be on the pay-per-view, they're on the pay-per-view or the premium live event. They're not on the pre-show because number one, the pay is different. Number two, there are fewer people actually vested in an in-ring pre-show than they are vested in the actual event. So I think this is a great move by WWE. It speaks to the fact that, again, only the top of the top are in that space or whoever is available or whatever makes sense according to this story. There's no wasted motion. Now then to the results. If you've not watched Elimination Chamber, you might want to press pause in this podcast. If you've already watched it or you've already seen the results or you're not worried about spoilers, then let Let's sojourn on. We kicked off the pay-per-view with the Women's Elimination Chamber match as Asuka wins the Chamber match and will be headed to WrestleMania to take on the Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar 3 ends in disqualification with Bobby Lashley walking out as the winner. In the mixed tag match, Edge and Beth Phoenix defeat Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley of the Judgment Day. Austin Theory retains the U.S. Championship inside the Elimination Chamber with a little help from his friend Logan Paul. And in the main event, Roman Reigns retains the undisputed WWE Universal Championship by defeating Sami Zayn. There's a lot to unpack from this pay-per-view, excuse me, premium live event. I'm sorry, it's still just about a year or so getting used to that new term, but we'll get there. So let's start first with the Women's Elimination Chamber match. I certainly saw Asuka coming out as the winner. She was definitely the favorite going in. And of these women, I think it's going to be an amazing match between Asuka and Bianca Belair. The tough part is this. I think Asuka's going to have to work super, super hard for us to really fully embrace the aggressive version of her. Those who watch her rise in NXT 
We remember this version, but there's been so much loss and craziness that's happened between now and then that I really do want to be able to embrace this. I think if this Oscar faced last year's Bianca Belair, I think it'd be pretty safe to say Oscar walks out as the winner. But after Bianca Belair defeats not one, but two of the four horsewomen in the same match as she did this past Monday on Raw, oh man. It's special to me to think that Bianca Belair is hitting her stride. And I have to say, going into WrestleMania, at least as of right now, I see Bianca as the favorite for this. Now, I know some will say, well, hey, let's end this reign of Bianca Belair. Well, at one point, I would have been good with that. However, we're in an age where we're establishing the longstanding champion again. And Bianca, who's already broken records as the longest reigning African-American singles champion in WWE history, could go on to become the longest reigning Raw Women's Champion in history. To do that, she has to hold that title for another three months or so. 398 days. That's where we are for the longest reign for the Raw Women's Championship, and that was held by Becky Lynch, of course, before she went away and took her leave while pregnant. And ironically, who became the champion after that? Asuka. How interesting that is. Bianca Belair right now is on her 323rd day as champion. Again, the longest reign comes from Becky Lynch at 398 days. So we're basically 75 days away, which is about two and a half months right now. 75 days away from Bianca Belair becoming the longest reigning Raw Women's Champion. I think we're too close to let that go. So I think Bianca's going to hold on to this title maybe until SummerSlam when there is perhaps an an opponent that we fully believe could knock her off of her block. But right now, nobody's stopping Bianca Belair. Just one guy's thoughts, okay? From there, Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar via disqualification. Now, let me say this. If you saw my commentary and predictions about this, either on WWT Live or on Wrestle Extra last week, I told you guys that this match was too big to let this whole series and rivalry end at Elimination Chamber. We are too close to WrestleMania to miss this. And so I said it would either be a no contest or, you know, some crazy thing would happen, but we wouldn't get a definitive result because that needs to happen at Mania. And my prediction was and still is that we put these two guys either inside Hell in a Cell or in the fight pit and have them settle this at WrestleMania. Well, the fact that this ended via disqualification says to me, oh, we aren't done, not by a long shot. So I'm excited because I think this does mean Lashley, Lesnar for the real rubber match at WrestleMania. I'm not surprised by this result at all. Now, this does throw an interesting wrench in the plans of one Bray Wyatt, who announced Friday night that whoever walked out of this as the winner, he wanted to battle them, I believe, at WrestleMania. So, do we get Lashley and Bray Wyatt? Or do we get Lesnar and Bray Wyatt? Do we get a triple threat? Or do we forget that that even was mentioned? Because to me, again, Lashley, Lesnar, four at WrestleMania. That's what I'm campaigning for. That's what I believe will happen. Now then, Edge Beth Phoenix defeating Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. Finn Balor takes the pin. 
I'm not surprised by this result at all. Again, we are in Canada. It makes sense to put a nice, neat little bow on this Edge Beth Phoenix Judgment Day situation so Rhea can go on to fight Charlotte at WrestleMania without Beth Phoenix hanging over her head. We can finally tie a bow and a knot here in this Edge versus Judgment Day thing and see where both groups go after this because I think Edge still has one good WrestleMania left in him for sure. What he will do with this WrestleMania, I don't know. Now, if you've heard about the press conference that happened after, it seems as though Edge will be answering the U.S. title open challenge tonight against Austin Theory. And if that's the case, I think a couple of things could happen. Edge could conceivably become the U.S. champion, leaving Austin Theory now to look for a way into WrestleMania. And that way could be by way of John Cena, as that has been kind of the rumored match. Speaking of Austin Theory, he is the United States champion. And in that Elimination Chamber match, again, shout out to Triple H and everybody involved, because they use this to tell a lot of stories. And I think... There were three main stories, well, maybe even a fourth one, coming out of this Elimination Chamber. Let me start by saying this. Everyone inside of the Elimination Chamber looked amazing, okay? Johnny Gargano, shout out to him. Now, I hate to admit this publicly, but I will. I had actually forgotten that he was in this match, which is kind of sad because we were all excited about his return to WWE. It came as a shocker to many of us, but then he's kind of been locked in this weird program with The Miz that hasn't really been going much of anywhere. So seeing him locked into the U.S. title match was interesting. He reminded us of the guy who was the three-time North American champion. He reminded us of the guy who was a triple crown winner in NXT. He reminded us why we call him Johnny Wrestling. Absolutely fantastic. I thought Bronson Reed looked amazing. Another former North American champion. Somebody who has figured out how to get it done. And I think we'll be seeing more from Bronson Reed in this scenario. Now, let me just say this. I believe this with all my heart. One of the great stories coming out of this and one of the real purposes of the Elimination Chamber is to set up Montez Ford as a solo competitor. We've been hearing rumors about the potential split with the Street Profits, and then they took another year and really, I think, worked on Angelo Dawkins to where Dawkins is a viable competitor as a solo artist, but I really think that the Elimination Chamber set things up so that Montez Ford can be viewed as a solo competitor. He was awesome, and shout out to Bianca Belair who blazed his ring gear again it really doesn't hurt when the person making your gear knows you up and down, can get all of your measurements right, can know exactly what it is you like and don't like, and will definitely get that posted for you in a great space. So shout out, just amazing, absolutely amazing. And him being in the final three spoke volume so shout out to Montez Ford yeah let's just go ahead and say it I think that before the end of 2023 Montez Ford not only has a solo career but is a singles champion mark my words it'll happen before the end of 2023 which then leads us to Austin Theory and Seth Rollins 
it seemed as though Seth Rollins should walk out of here as the U.S. champion. But it seems as though Seth Rollins' path to WrestleMania becomes very, very clear as interfering in this match is Logan Paul, who costs him the championship. Looks like we'll get Seth Rollins, Logan Paul at WrestleMania. That'll be interesting. I think it's more than time for Seth Rollins to get a massive win at WrestleMania, if my memory serves me correctly. We haven't seen him get a win at WrestleMania since WrestleMania 35 when he beat Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Now, I'm really thinking and I'm trying to think, yeah, I don't think he's won since then. He lost at 36 against Kevin Owens. At WrestleMania 37, he lost to Cesaro, giving Cesaro his only singles WrestleMania win. And then, of course, WrestleMania 38, he lost to Cody Rhodes. So think about this. He has not won a WrestleMania match since 35. That's almost four years. He's more than due. He's more than due. Please don't sacrifice Seth Rollins to Logan Paul. But that should be an amazing match, all things considered. That's coming for WrestleMania. And then, of course, the story continues with the bloodline. What an emotional match with Sami Zayn, who almost pulled it off. Two referees get knocked down. There's interference, of course, and that would cost Sami Zayn the championship. Interestingly enough, everybody thought that this is where Jay Uso would turn on Sami Zayn. That did not happen. Jay Uso stopped Roman Reigns from hitting Sami Zayn with the chair. Of course, then it almost seemed like we were going to see this whole thing play out again like it happened at the Rumble. Instead, Sami went to spear Roman. Roman moves out of the way. Jay Uso takes the spear, but we've heard nothing else from Jay Uso since. So what happens now? The show ends with Kevin Owens standing by the side, sort of, of Sami Zayn. And I say sort of because he helped Sami Zayn, but then left Sami before Sami could really greet him. Are we getting Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against the Usos? Is Jay Uso still willing to be a part of this tag team? Is Jay Uso willing to fight Sami Zayn? That piece hasn't happened yet. And will we end up acknowledging Jay Uso as the tribal chief? And could that happen at one of those nights at WrestleMania? There's still a lot of questions regarding the bloodline. I'm very interested in seeing what's going to happen. All in all, another very impressive elimination chamber from WWE. I love it. And the road to WrestleMania absolutely feels like it's going to matter. In these six weeks, I'm expecting a lot of twists and turns, a lot of potential changes and additions and maybe even surprises. But one thing seems certain. It seems as though we're getting Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I'm not mad at that at all. I'm actually very glad that Sammy got his moment without Cody being present so Sammy could fully enjoy the moment. Now the question is, will Sammy still find his way somehow into the championship picture? Will this be a triple threat? Will Sammy end up being part of the tag team with Kevin Owens? Lots of what ifs. We'll find out, of course, in six weeks. But the road to WrestleMania is exciting to me. All right, there was another big event that happened this weekend, and we're going to talk about that in our next episode. That was Battle in the Valley, the New Japan in-ring debut of Mercedes Monet. We're going to check all of that out and talk about that on our next episode and talk about the history that was made at Battle in the Valley. I'd love to get your thoughts on today's episode and the Elimination Chamber as a whole. 
So hit us up, of course, at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember, you can check me in a number of places besides The Faction. Of course, I love this being the home base for us, but you can also check it out as every Tuesday, I'm a part of Wrestle Extra with my UK brothers, A Dazzle of Black Wrestling Alliance and Mex of WrestleManiac. You can check us out every Tuesday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. British Standard Time, and all of our shows are available on the WrestleManiac UK YouTube page and I believe you can check the audio versions of those out as well. That happens every Tuesday, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can check me out with Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet. WWT Live happens 6 p.m. Eastern every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm on there with a number of amazing content creators. I can't wait to have those conversations because they are live, they are fun, they are unpredictable. And several of you end up in the chat as well, so thank you for doing that. We'd love to see even more join us during that time. And of course, those shows are also available wherever it is you check out podcasts, including YouTube. Then, of course, you can check me out every Friday as part of the Southern Honor Wrestling Podcast, the official podcast for SHW that airs every Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern. Yes, I'm doing double duty. It's fun how that happens. It's the beauty of technology, but I love it, and it's a lot of fun for sure. And then, of course, you can check out all of our commentary exploits on Southern Honor, on IWTV, Battle Slam on Fight TV, Championship District Wrestling on YouTube, and The Nightmare Factory on YouTube as well. Last but not least, and I know it seems like a lot of promo, but we're doing a lot of things. That's cool, right? Last but not least, you can check out all of our merch at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. Two great shirts for you there, Bet On You and Five Seconds of Courage. They both are mantras for my career getting into the world of wrestling, and they've really helped me sustain this and do more so check it out right now at prowrestlingtees.com slash bonafide all right we're gonna get out of here have an absolutely amazing day and until next time representing for my good brothers courtney beard brandon clack and the fourth horseman john murray i am gerard bonner and this is the faction I my people. here we go